Welcome to Flint Flora, a journey through the botanical diversity of Flint, Michigan. My name is Jim Cohen, and I'm a plant enthusiast. I'm excited to share my passion for plants with you and showcase the botanical wonders that are often hiding right in front of us. Come along as we discover the interesting, intriguing, and intoxicating aspects of the local flora of this exciting Rust Belt city. So here we are back at Gandhi Park or Wilson Park. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Jim? Okay, so we are talking today about Phytolacca americana, also known as pokeweed. Okay, pokeweed. That sounds fun already. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. So the name pokeweed actually comes from Native American words, one of them being pacoon, which means die. Okay, so D-Y-E, not D-I-E. Yes, well, yes, D-Y-E, although at the same time there might be an aspect of D-I-E there as well, given some of the toxins that are in the plant, which we can also talk about. <laughs> awesome. I, I remember something toxic last week when we were talking about the Kentucky coffee tree, so I'm seeing a theme here, Jim. I don't know. Well, the in, so one of the interesting things about this guy is that while it is toxic, I would not encourage anyone to be eating it. There are also a lot of medicinal properties of um, hookweed. And so it actually has a lot of human uses. Medicines, dyes for being able to dye clothing. People actually do eat it, although it seems like they go through a lot of trouble to eat it because there are various types of toxins that are in different parts of the plant. Who are the people that are eating this plant? So I don't know. I mean, when I was looking, when I was doing some research on this plant, I found websites of people that were like, okay, if you put it in you know, your basement and let it grow and it's white, so not having any chlorophyll when it's young, then you can eat it, but you have to boil it twice in order to be able to make it edible. And it just seems like a lot of trouble to have to go through to be able to eat when there are plenty of plants that are not toxic yeah i'm just wondering like do these people like do they not have a grocery store nearby or like farmers markets like i have no idea i mean maybe it tastes really good when there's the chance that there might be some poison involved in it that it probably isn't the best idea to be eating it so there are other plants that people do this to uh, like cassava where people will dig up the roots and they'll scrape it and then they'll put water through it and try to wring out all the toxins to be able to make like a nice pancake out of it. But I don't know. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking it looks really attractive and those berries look really tasty. But I don't want to eat it. Yeah, I'll stick to my Michigan blueberries. Thank you very much. But you're right, though. It is very attractive. Almost. Uh, can you describe like the physical features of it? Yeah, so the plant can grow anywhere from a couple of feet all the way to 10 feet tall, which is kind of crazy. Uh, this one is, let's see, maybe four feet tall, three to four feet wide, very branchy and bushy. It has these really nice leaves that are kind of teardrop shaped to um, maybe elliptical. Uh, the leaves come to a nice point at the end. And one of the interesting things, something that you know, you're probably seeing with this is the stem is this sort of maroon, I don't know, maroon color, dark maroon wine color. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I would say fuchsia. Do we oh, like fuchsia? fuchsia? I can go with fuchsia. And 
Um, actually, you know, saying wine color, the berries have been used to uh, give color to wine in the past, although I don't think that's being done anymore. I hope not if it's toxic. I like my wine. I don't want to be scared to drink my wine. <laughs> exactly. I think you're safe. Um, but what you notice is that it has that really interesting fuchsia color. And plants in this family, as well as a lot of relatives, have a different type of pigment than what we're used to seeing in lots of other flowers. And so the red color that you're seeing here, the fuchsia that you see here, is kind of a different color than if you look at those flowers over there. And the pigments that you see in this plant are um, derived from betalins which differs from what we see in almost all the other flowering plants. And so it's a different type of pigment from a whole different biochemical pathway. Is that what makes it um, so like vibrant and bright? Yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons. And so if you look at something like this with this red color to it, you see the same color in cacti. And so that same, um, those reds, yellows, but we don't see yellows here, all those are um, same type of pigments. And it's a really interesting type of color. I mean, if you know what you're looking for, this type of color, the betalins are really distinct because um, they're just sort of slightly different from what we would see in lots of other plants and um, the type of pigments that they have that are anthocyanins. And this has been a real interest to botanists in trying to figure out well, why are the pigments here different from these ones? Trying to get a sense of the biochemical pathway. And why do we see them showing up in only this one group of plants and only in some of this, some of the species or some of the families in this larger group of plants? Okay, that's really, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So um, is that when you say this, so the, let's go back to that, what you were saying about it, um, the poke deriving from that dye. Um, so is that what makes it a good dye? Is that bright, vibrant color? Yeah, I think so. Um, you need to use what's called a mordant to get the color to stay. Otherwise, it will wash out later on. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely what uh, these really nice pigments are what make it a good dye. And it's a natural dye. So if you're someone who wants to use natural dyes, this is one that you could um, use. Okay, so so that's the poke part. What makes this a weed? <laughs> you just have to come to my garden and see, or stay right here and see. So no one planted this guy right here, um, but I don't know. I, and so it will grow in lots of different places, but it's really attractive. I mean, it's got this really nice red color to it, the flowers, the inflorescences, the fruits. They're all really quite attractive, so... It's weedy, I think, because it doesn't grow where you want it to grow. But it also is sort of a nice surprise to find growing places. So, I mean, I'm noticing they, they keep this. It's, so what we're looking at right now is the, the plant is in um, this well-tended, mulched, <laughs> um, very, like, groomed area of the park. Um, I don't see any other weeds here. So do you think that it was left intentionally or do you think that the person who has been grooming this didn't know that it was a weed? I'm going to say probably the latter, but I'm not sure. I mean, there's definitely some nice space for it to be able to grow. Maybe they just liked it. Okay. I mean, I can I can get on board with that. I just know that I know there are other cool looking weeds that people just well, it's a weed. We're going to yeah. get rid of it. So, 
Okay, so cool. What else is cool about this plant? So, I mean, we have these really nice looking berries that we have, but the flowers are also quite interesting. So if you are someone who's botanically inclined, or if you're not, and you're listening to this right now, what you'll find out is that uh, plants have sepals, which are the outer part of the flower, petals, stamens, and carpels. Stamens and carpels being the male and female parts of the flower. But here, we actually don't have any actual petals. So the petals have been lost in this group of plants. And so when you're looking at this, the part that is white that you're seeing, that is actually, those are actually the sepals. And so in this group, as well as sort of in um, Phytolaca, as well as um, its relatives, we don't see any petals that are present. And so the part of it that is taking over that really attractive function or, I don't know, moderately attractive function uh, are the sepals, which is kind of interesting to see one type of floral organ co-opted for another use for a second. So when so when you say attractive, um, you mean like attracting like the bees that are going to transport the pollen? Yeah, so whatever the pollinator is for this guy... Um, that's what we're going to see is that the um, that white part is going to be attractive and that will encourage the um, the insects uh, to visit it. Actually, we see the bee right there visiting. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be pretty attracted to it. Um, so when you say that, so the sepal, so that's something we wouldn't normally see because it's like inside of the, like the petals are kind of surrounding it and obstructing it from view. Yeah, so usually the sepals are smaller, they're green, they're not really showy or attractive. No one is going to the flower store and be like, oh, look at these beautiful sepals. Uh, but they are saying that about petals, that the petals are really nice and showy, they're quite attractive. You know, when you see a rose, you're like, oh, that's a, those are really beautiful petals that I'm looking at. Um, but we don't have any petals here, and so instead what we're seeing is that the sepals are taking over that role. That's really interesting. And you're right. I've never walked up to a flower and said, wow, what beautiful sepals. But I, w- I know now now I will take more notice of the sepals, um, even even in the in roses and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And so when we're also looking at this plant, there's been some interesting discussion about how many um, petals or not petals, how many sepals the ancestor had. And so. Right now, when you look at it, you'll see that there are five sepals that are present. But there's been research that's shown that the ancestor of this group actually had only three. And that um, through the course of evolution, we've actually had modifications. And now we see that there are five. There's been all this interest in trying to figure out, well, how did we get the number of stamens that are present there? And so there are some interesting questions about evolution, about floral development, and how we see the, um, the flower today. So do you think in this case, because um, it's the, the plant is dependent on like, the attractiveness of the, the sepal, um, do you think having more would be an advantage because it's like more visible? So um, maybe not quite the number. The size would probably be better for that. And what you see when you look at this is that it has these very elongated inflorescences. They are, you know, about three to six inches in length. 
And so that together is really serving, I think, as a nice big floral display to attract these insects um, to visit the plant. It's, it's wild to think about the, I mean, this is sort of to get into the weeds, to use a <laughs> thank you for that, to use a bit of a pun. But, I mean, when you do that, you really get to see that when you look up close at these plants and look at their relatives, that trying to figure out how you would sort of what the patterns of evolution are and how you can trace that back based on looking at immature floral organs is really quite interesting. At least I know I'm sort of speaking of this from a very botanically inclined point of view, but I mean, being able to do that with sort of any organism is really interesting. And trying to trace that back and make hypotheses uh, based on looking at development, I think is really quite interesting. Although that's also one of my uh, botanical bents. The evolution of, of plants? Yeah, the evolution of plants and uh, particularly the evolution of flowers. Cool. So um, what else should we know about this plant? Okay. So one thing that's interesting about this is that Phytolaca americana is actually a weed in China. Um, it's been a weed for about 80 years. And there is a Chinese plant as well in the same genus, um, Phytolaca acinosa, and it's actually been out-competing. We have a lot of invasive species in North America, and you know, we see them all the time. Dandelions, garlic mustard, um, to think about plants, zebra mussels. And so, oddly, I don't know if I would say it gives me sort of a strange satisfaction to know that plants from the U.S. and North America are invasive in other places as well. Um, That's not particularly politically correct, but it's interesting to know that invasiveness is occurring all throughout the world and that the plants that we're looking at here, something that seems weedy, is, you know, a problem in... um, in other parts of the world as well. I think it's quite interesting. But one of the problems, or one of the many problems associated with this, is that uh, Phytolaca acinosa has actually been used in traditional Chinese medicine, and it looks really similar to Phytolaca americana. And Phytolaca americana is more toxic. So there could be issues that are associated with trying to use a plant that looks like Phytolaca acinosa, turns out to be the U.S. species, in um, in medicine, that would not necessarily turn out well. Wow, I just that is that is. I mean, that's not <laughs> it's not it's not a good thing, but it's it is really interesting to think about that on on multiple levels. You know, because I mean, it's it's a political thing. We're hearing a lot, of, especially right now with the TPP and everything. Like, you know, about um, Asian encroachment and. Look at not only is our plant a weed over there, but it could actually cause some serious harm. Yeah, no, it's interesting thinking about that um, and trying to figure out just in general how to go about eradicating invasive species and what the best strategy is for this one and how to be able to, if people are going to use Phytolaca in medicine, how to make sure that you're using the right species for it. We've been talking a little bit about medicine and how this plant can be used for um, various types of medicinal uses. So it has antiviral 
proteins, um, which have actually been shown to um, inhibit replication of HIV, which is interesting to see. Uh, there have been lots of different uses for the plant. Uh, it has antifungal properties as well. It's lethal to various types of mollusks. What's notable about this, and what is not terribly uncommon with plants that are used for medicinal purposes, is that taking a little bit can be helpful, but or at least has potential to be helpful for medicinal purposes. But ingesting a lot is where we see um, poison and um, toxic effects really occurring. That said, I wouldn't recommend that anyone try any of this. Uh, I don't think that is useful, uh, but... Um, it is notable that plants that are toxic can also have useful medicinal compounds as well. Right, because if it's toxic to us, it can be toxic to things that we don't want around either, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely very true. And if we isolate a particular compound from it, um, that might be helpful. So all of the plant might not be toxic, just parts of it. Cool. Well, that's hopefully they're continuing research on that stuff because I... Sounds very hopeful in some areas. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to know that there are lots of different uses of it. So it seems like there is continued research um, on the use of Phytolacca americana. The other thing that I wanted to mention about this is that these really nice, attractive fruits, so the berries there, are bird dispersed. So they are not toxic to all animals, just maybe toxic to us. <laughs> uh, so that's one, one way in which these... Uh, plants can be dispersed um, across their range is birds coming along eating the berries and sort of as you see we have some now and green ones that are going to be maturing so um, we'll see that the birds will come along they'll eat them and disperse them as they are traveling around so this this uh, pokeweed then has a much better chance of reproducing than our poor Kentucky <laughs> coffee tree, right? Yeah, for a variety of reasons. I mean, we've also seen there are a lot of flowers on this plant, and we've seen lots of bees visiting it as we've been here. And um, it's not dioecious. So another word um, for dioecious is bisexual, right? Like it's both. No, that's the other one. So this guy's bisexual, having male and female parts in the same flower. And the Kentucky coffee tree was dioecious, having male, male flowers on one plant and female flowers on the other plant. Gotcha. Okay, got it mixed up. So uh, it's not dioecious, it's bisexual. Exactly. Very bisexual. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Can reproduce yeah. itself. Exactly. I guess the last thing I wanted to mention that I think is interesting, especially given that it's 2016 and as we hear on the radio... Just about every day, we are X number of days out from the election um, for president of the United States, is that um, supporters of President James Polk, when he was running for election, actually had pokeweed twigs that they used um, instead of campaign buttons. So in this 1845 campaign, they were actually using pokeweed as a symbol for Polk instead of buttons. I was about to say, why? Yeah. Okay, poke for poke, got it, got it. Yeah. It seems very twee compared to our current election that people would be you know, going out and finding a plant and pinning it on their lapel in, um, instead of 
the current climate. <laughs> right. I mean, I can see that cause it, you know, maybe I've got, maybe you see someone walking down the street wearing a trumpet <laughs> and that, that could start some fights, I think. Yeah, well, it, I don't know. I'm, I was thinking about this and there actually is a plant that's called Clintonia that grows in Michigan. So perhaps people will start maybe taking pictures of it. And- maybe maybe you'll start maybe you'll start a trend here <laughs> after after people listen to this we'll go out and start doing that oh, i like that yeah clintonia for clinton cool so let's see it let's let's see some clintonians and some trumpets and, and get that going <laughs> okay so what else should we know about this plant so phytoloc is actually a pretty large genus i mentioned that there was one in china but it's also found throughout Central America. And so one of the interesting parts of this, or I guess interesting aspects of Phytolaca, uh, the genus, and one reason that I guess I'm somewhat interested in it is that my advisor in graduate school actually did work on Phytolaca and hybridization. So looking at differences between species that are living near each other, um, for his master's thesis before I was born. <laughs> wow, so this, this plant's been causing a stir for a long time. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And so he did work on this, um, I think, in the mid-70s, although he can correct me if I'm wrong. And um, so it's cool seeing this now and um, being able to learn a little bit more about this plant, although it's definitely not to the level that he understands it. I love that. You know, I would just walk through this park and, and I would actually stop and admire this plant. You know, the, the coffee tree I probably wouldn't notice, but this plant, it really does with the vibrant um, hues and those really cool, the berries look like long, tiny little um, grape bunches. And it's just, it's amazing that somebody, you know, spent hours and hours and hours on this as a master's <laughs> thesis. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, I really only know Phytolaca americana, so it'd be interesting to learn more about some of the other ones. Um, there are 25 to 35 species of Phytolaca. Awesome. Well, this has been really interesting. Any, any last words on uh, the pokeweed? Don't eat it, but come and admire the beautiful pigments and betalins that you see. And, I mean, we've been here for, what, 15 minutes or so? And 20 minutes, and we've seen a lot of bees visiting this guy. So come and check it out and see pollination in action. Awesome. And um, as always, I would love to see um, your own pictures of this pokeweed or other pokeweeds, um, your selfies with the pokeweed, and, um, and tweet us at, where are we tweeting? At Botanicoan. Or at uh, Facebook uh, Flint Podcasting.